All right, welcome back, everybody, as we get going here on a Tuesday afternoon. We've got Alberto uh, Odueta with us as well. Adrian brought us, Steve Kaplow. It's good to have you back. 600 ESPN El Paso is our home. 505-6009, our telephone number, 505-6009. Coming up here in uh, just a few minutes, Stephanie Hahn will be dropping by our 600 ESPN El Paso, River Oaks Property, Schoolyard Sports Studios. Stephanie uh, going to be fighting uh, on Friday night out at the Coliseum, Ring Wars 9. She is the main event. Five female bouts on the nine-bout fight card. So Stephanie will be uh, in to talk a little bit about her opponent and uh, what this means uh, for her to be part of the uh, big uh, night of boxing out at the Coliseum where tickets are uh, on sale now and they start at just $25 each. So Adrian, really excited about this. In fact, you know, thinking about today's show and knowing just the kind of relationship that we have had with the Hans over the years. You know, it started with Jennifer, uh, really, when she first came on the scene. Jennifer joined us on a regular basis. Then uh, A.B. Hahn, um, her brother, was also a big part of our show. And when he was uh, fighting on, uh, you know, professional cards, he would come on the program. And now, Stephanie, she is the third member of the Hahn family to be joining us. And, uh, in fact, she's outside. So if we can get... Uh, Alberto, she's probably out back, I would think. Out back, let's try that. And then um, bring Stephanie on the show. That'll be great because, Adrian, I'm just excited uh, to have her back and excited about boxing back in El Paso. Okay, I didn't hear your introduction, so I apologize if this sounds repetitive. But uh, <laughs> Stephanie Hahn is not only fighting opponents in the ring, but she's a fighting crime on the streets, Steve. Have you heard this? She's a cop. Yeah, I've known. I know. That's awesome. I, probably, I just found this out. <laughs> yeah, she is. She is probably the first uh, boxer in El Paso I, that I can know from a professional fighter who has also been a police officer. Yeah, I don't think I, think I know so. of anybody else like that. You know what? I love it. I, I think that she should play into this as far as yes. you know something that she could uh, use as a uh, a little shtick when she gets out I onto agree. the ring. So that would be awesome stuff right there. So Stephanie's going to join us in a moment. I'm excited about that. Let me take Manny and Cruces. He'll be first up today on the program on the phones, 505-6009. Manny, welcome aboard. Good to have you on the show. How are you doing today? Thank you. Doing pretty good. Awesome. Usual trying to stay out of the wind, but there's dirt all over the place. So uh, I guess it's going to be multi-shower time today. Oh, it is windy. It is windy. You're no, no doubt That's about that. Bad. That's for sure. <laughs> I just want to make a comment uh, yep. uh, about the UTEP basketball team, uh, the men team. Um, yeah, it is frustrating to see these guys lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like they can't learn how to close a game when they're in there tight. But one thing that I have noticed, and I used to coach basketball for quite a few years, uh, the offense that coach is using doesn't seem to fit these guys. These guys most of the time look confused. Uh, I don't know if they're not understanding the system, and they should by now. I mean, that's a lot of games they've played already. I'll be honest, they Manny. They already have the system down. I don't know if there's any offense that would fit this system. I mean, with these guys. I, I really don't. Like, if you watch them play a lot and you see them on the court, they're just offensively challenged. I mean, I don't necessarily know if it's a system thing or if it's just these guys, a lot of them just can't score. 
and they can't close and they can't, you know, they, they can't get through the final few minutes when they've really been playing hard for the first 35, 36 minutes of a game. I don't know. It's winning's weird. It's a mentality. You got to have it. You got to, and, and it's mental. Like when, when you've lost a bunch oh, yeah. of games and you're in the last five minutes, sometimes these guys, you know, maybe it's like, here we go again. And that's why winning a game in the final few minutes is so important because it'll get them over the hump potentially and get them to start believing in themselves, which is something exactly. that, that's been missing, especially as of late. Exactly. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Another thing that I noticed is uh, I don't think he likes guys that are six foot ten or taller. He he obviously doesn't play Hamilton very much, and I'm not, I'm not going to say that Hamilton is a is a a great A uh, basketball player. He's he's learning. Sure. And yes, he's a little bit slow on his feet, but you give him that ball underneath the basket, and what did he do uh, the other night? Sixteen points. He can score. He can definitely he can score. score. I mean, it's weird but because you got to give him the ball. So here's the thing about Hamilton. And, I don't even care about the defensive fact. I mean, I know he can't play defense because he's slow, and I get all that. That's fine. At least he can score. But the problem is also, if you keep him out for extended minutes, he gets tired, and he can't stay in the game because he's gassed. So that's the hard exactly. part, too. It's like you got to know when to use him because you're only going to get him in two or three or four-minute bunches. So you got to figure out the most strategic times to try to get him in to, to play and score. But if you could do that and it works, then I agree with you because, yeah, he could definitely finish. Who who is that other kid that I see? He, he looks like he's about seven foot tall. Uh, he's not. This he's is Babakar. This out. is Babakar and Bengi. Yeah, Babakar uh, is redshirting, so he's not even he's not playing this year because he's redshirting. So you'll see him next year. Does he have any kind of experience? No. No. Okay. So he's going to be uh, one of these that you have to you have to show him what to do and stuff. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. He's a project. Him, right? Yeah, he's a project. Yeah. But I guess, but I guess yeah. the thing is this: sometimes having a seven foot project is better than having a a, a six two or a six three project, right? Even a six seven project. Yes, yes. I would take. <laughs> yes, I will take a seven foot project over the others. That's for sure. You can't teach height, I, and seven feet is still seven feet. Exactly. I yeah. used to have to change uh, systems uh, offensively so that my teams, according to what I had. Mm-hmm could run an offense properly and be able to score. But this guy, this Golden, doesn't seem to want to change what he did back at Christian. Let me ask and, you this, though. Let me ask you this, Manny. Yeah. Be, be honest to me, okay? You watched, okay? If you watch this basketball team all season, do you really right. believe that there's a system that exists that could get them to score more than they're scoring right now? Yeah. And and if so, what is it? Because um, they would probably like to hear it as much as I would. So what what do you think would be a system to, to maximize scoring for this existing team? You, you can run a motion offense with these guys, with high high screen uh, screens, uh, high screen, high screen um, screens with these guys where yeah. they can uh, screen and release. Uh, you can run screens down low, where the guard that may be setting a screen on the big man can turn quickly, as the big man is on defense is following our big man. You got to give him the ball quick. One thing that I did notice is that when Hamilton is underneath the basket, these guys won't give him the ball. Yeah, it's and like, that's, that's it's a like they don't like him. But here's but here's the other question, okay? Hamilton aside, how do you set up an offense for a team that can't shoot? You run four out with screens. So where you pass the ball underneath to him, you set screens on the outside, uh, on the corners, or up on top and let the guy break in for a layup. 
He's either going to make the layup or he's going to dish it off to to Hamilton. Yeah. And what happens when you can't? And what happens when you can't? What What do you do when you can't shoot and you can't finish most of your layups? Then what do you do? And I'll tell you what: get rid of that doggone three uh, three point play because that's all these guys do. Yeah. If you notice, eighty percent of their offense is three point shots. Yeah, I know. I know. Don't you guys know how to use a bank shot? Don't you guys know how to use a? Uh, 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 mid, a mid-range shot? Well, the thing is this. If you can't, if you can't shoot, especially you can't shoot threes, then you, can't, you wonder why you keep shooting them. Because if I'm a defense, you'll give them the three all game long if you know you can't, sh- if you can't make a shot. So I get that. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, come on, guys. Yeah. You, know you know that your percentage is like 20% yeah. from the three-point uh, shot. Get right. in there closer. I appreciate you, Manny. Thanks for the call. Adrian, I feel like I'm hosting minor talk with this first call of the show. I feel like now, yeah. I, now I know what you're like after games with that call from Manny right yeah, there. Yeah, well, you had some tremendous patience there, Steve. I, I appreciated your patience because I would have cut off the caller after the first analysis of what they should have done. I mean, look, what happened is what exa- exactly what he said, the four corners. You don't think they've tried that? That's exactly why teams have switched on to the zone format against them. And then if you want to call back in and say, oh, well, I can tell you how to break the zone. Well, sure, sure. you got to shoot to also break the zone. And you got to also create spacing to create, you know, break the zone. But what yeah. he was suggesting right there, they've tried. They've a zone, tried that. a zone is daring somebody to shoot and beat them. If you can't shoot, they're going to keep. They're going to zone. We we said this months ago that they, I would keep zoning. I'd zone UTEP all season long because they can't shoot. Yeah, and now they've done a little bit better to adjust to it. But it's yeah. by keeping the pace high, like he was saying. All right, uh, Stephanie Hans here with us right now. Stephanie, I apologize. I, no, it's I, okay. I, <laughs> I, I, you know, now you he, now you get an idea of what we get to deal with, like most of every day during basketball season. This is very interesting. Is it? Very interesting. Can you imagine if we took calls and they're analyzing your boxing style and they're like, let me tell you what Stephanie needs to do. And this is what she needs to do. You know, we see this, but this is what that would, it's almost like what it would be like. It's, yes. it's, it's crazy, isn't it? Yes, it is. As an athlete, we train hard, but to be, I guess, critiqued in that sense, yeah, I would be frustrated a little bit. <laughs> Have you ever? Would you like that? Would you like a show one day where all we do is devoted to your boxing? Well, after like after Friday's fight, okay, you're in the main event and you fight. Then Monday, we'll take the calls and we'll say, if you're at the fights, uh, give us your thoughts of, of Stephanie in the ring and let us know what she's doing right and what she could do better. And then we could just we'll take calls for three hours about you and and, and your boxing. That'd be nice. That'd be interesting. I would love to lo- love to hear what everyone else has to say about me and my performance. Um, as long as they go and watch you sa- on, on Friday night at the Coliseum, that's that's all that matters, right? Then, hey, they can say all they want. Just be in the ring and be out there and be at the Coliseum to watch you and everybody else yes. for Ring Wars 9. As long as they come and sh- support us, they could analyze me, critique me in any way, but just go and support me as well as the, all the local fighters. Now, I said this before I brought you on. You are the third member of the family that we have been developing a relationship with here at this radio station. It started with your sister, mm-hmm. then your brother, now you. I'm excited. Um, will there be others? Will there be other members of the Han family that will one day find themselves on Sports Talk to talk about their, uh, their boxing career? I think I'm the last sibling, but all of us have procreated and we all have little ones. <laughs> So, That's true. That's true. I think they'll be the next ones to fall in our footsteps for so sure. What, so what you're telling me is in the next 15 years or so, maybe mm, give or take, yes. we could be talking about the next generation of, of, Hans. of Hans. Han. Han grandkids for sure. Yes. My brother, Abraham Han, professional fighter. He has three beautiful kids. Jennifer has two. I have two. My twin sister, she has two. <laughs> 
Okay, so of the nine kids, <laughs> yes, because right? there's nine. There's three, and and, and yes, and, nine grandkids. Right, Not, of the nine grandkids, how many of these do you believe have a have a legit shot? Like you could see it, or down the road, they they follow in the footsteps of of everybody and and, and get into the uh, the martial arts or boxing or, or sport like that. What do you think? So, Ab, he has two daughters. One of them, the second one, her name is Aubrey. She's so fierce. And I feel so far so sorry for any person that gets with her because she's um, she's very competitive and she gets what she wants. So just based on her personality, I think she's going to be great. My twin sister, she also has a daughter, Emma. She's going to be great. And Jennifer Hahn, my sister, her first son, Moses, he lives in the gym. He grew up in the gym just like us. He's five years old and he has the same lifestyle as we have. So those three, I think, are going to be the best for sure. So you can already foresee a future where we are probably talking about the the next generation of, yes. of Han fighters. Yes, for sure. Jenny's son, Ab's daughter, and Heather's daughter. Okay, their their personalities, and even Jenny's son Moses, he already hits his head all the time. Like he falls, he's already been inoculated. <laughs> he's already training. I love that. Um, meanwhile, you mentioned your twin sister. Is yes. she the only one of the of of the kids that really never got into the professional aspect of fighting? Yes, she, she fought could, as an amateur. Correct? She fought as an amateur, but she had injuries that um, held her back from doing it professionally. And then she had two kids, and from me and my sister, we we both had normal births, but she had a C section, so it's harder to recover. Mm-hmm. So right now, she's just happy taking care of her kids. But um, yeah, she's the only one that didn't do it professionally. Let me tell you something about Heather. On Friday night, she will be out there screaming oh, yes. and yelling. She's the most vocal. She's the loudest. Of, she is by far the loudest. In fact, if you watch the fights, if go to Ring Wars 9 uh, Friday at the Coliseum, you will hear Heather. Yes. And she will be, um, especially when you're in the ring, shouting encouragement from pretty much start to finish. And you know what else? <laughs> She paces. She's nervous. So she will be walking around, and then she gets to a spot close to ringside where she watches. <laughs> she is almost like that coach that isn't in your corner, but she is because she's so close to the ring that you can hear her when she's yelling uh, during the fight. She's the loudest cheerleader. Loudest cheerleader. And all of us, we all get nervous for each other when we fight. We've all been there. So... This is not different from when she cheers for me, when she cheers for Jenny, when she cheers for Abby. She's just as loud and supportive. Okay. When we come back, I want to talk about uh, Friday. Talk okay. about your, your big uh, your big fight. You're in the main event, which is exciting. Yes. Main eventing this card at the Coliseum. And we'll talk about your opponent and everything else that uh, gets us all ready for the uh, show on Friday. Okay? Sounds good. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Stephanie Hahn here with us right now as we continue. Let's go to Charlie. Charlie won and get our first traffic update of the afternoon. Back here right now with uh, Stephanie Hahn. Uh, she is going to be in the main event. Friday night, Coliseum, Ring Wars 9. Stephanie is wearing her Police Academy uh, long sleeve T-shirt. Adrian, you, you said this earlier. Yes. yes. When <laughs> Stephanie is not in the ring, she is protecting our city is what she's doing. Defending the ring and defending El Paso. I, I love, love it. That. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. How of all things did you decide as a career that you wanted to get into law enforcement? 
Um, so I graduated from UTEP in 2013, and I was going to do physical therapy. Um, but I had had my son. I got married the year before I had my son, and I needed a real job because life was real. I was poor. <laughs> so I looked online, and I saw that the EPPD was a, um, hiring. So I was like, you know what? I've always been attracted to law enforcement. My dad raised me tough. I could do it. So why not? So I applied, and I got accepted, and I'm so glad I did because – in law enforcement, it's never boring. It's always something new every single day, and it definitely fits my personality, for sure. So 10 years in law enforcement is what you've been doing. Yes. Are you, are you mostly, like, uh, on the streets? Uh, what What uh, is your is your specialty? So when I graduated from the academy, I started off patrol, so I was in patrol for about three years. Um, but currently, right now, I'm at the training academy, so my job is to train the recruits. So the El Paso Police Department recruits on Sitting Drive. I can totally see that with you because you've been involved in training your entire life. Yes, and um, fortunately I get to do the things that I grew up doing. So I get to teach defensive tactics. So I get to help with the boxing conditioning program that we have at the academy. So for me it's it's very fitting and I'm very, very fortunate. It sounds amazing. It sounds like it is the perfect, perfect <laughs> job for you to do when you're when you're not training for a fight. Yes, I'm I'm very happy. And then... Um, just seeing the recruits and growing with them and making an impact. Yeah, I truly, I truly, truly do love my job. Excellent. And then you have time for your family as well on yes. the side. So, so it's perfect. And, and you said you have two kids. Yes. And, um, and, and that's fun. But you also have a professional career that because of your uh, law enforcement work, you started late. You didn't really go into professional fighting at a young age. Or did you come back to it? How did it work? So I quit boxing when I was 21. Um, or 20, around that age. My dad was very mad. My family was very pissed because I could have made the Olympics. But I fell in love, got married, had my kids, and I took a 10-year break. And Jennifer, she was getting ready for Katie Taylor, the fight against Katie Taylor. So I helped her during COVID and realized I still my skills. So I decided now or never, and I came back to boxing. That's amazing. So it was the actual training for the Katie Taylor fight. Yes, that brought you back to boxing and you realized, wait a minute, I can, I can still do this. Was it, was it you deciding that or was it your sister who told you, you know what, Stephanie, you might really want to start thinking about getting back into boxing? My family, through the whole time I was taking a break, they're like, you want to come back? You want to come back? Because they would see all the girls that are on TV and they're like, or the girls that I fought in the amateurs and I beat. And they're like, you could do it, you could do it. But I was like, no, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. Um, but when I was training with Jennifer and my and Louis Louis Burke, which is now my coach, Jennifer Hans' coach, um, he was like, "Yeah, they all saw something in me." So I was like, "You know what, um, Jenny, A. B. Louis, my dad." So without their support, I don't think I would have done it. But they gave me the confidence to come back to the ring. That's a great story. Yes. So if you if you think about it, the Olympics, you're right. It would have been amazing fighting uh, boxing for the Olympics. But here you are now. You're in your early 30s you're maybe more seasoned you've been been around and and in and out of the ring so it gives you a different perspective yes. versus if you were you know had been doing this over the last 10 years yes um i felt like growing up doing it it was forced upon because my dad he forced it on us and i felt burnt out but now i'm doing it because i truly love it and i feel like i'm a better person all around being a mother has changed me being a police officer has changed me and it's only made me better it's only benefited me better so i think all around it's made me a better fighter and I definitely am stronger mentally, so that makes a big difference, big difference as a competitor. Now, you just said something really interesting. You said your dad forced you, and it burnt you out. And I feel like in sports these days, it happens a lot, yes. where if parents are 
I don't want to say there's one thing to encourage uh, sports, but if you force your your son or daughter to play something, and after a while uh, they can get burnt out. They abs- it's depending, especially depending on how much time they devote to that particular activity, it can burnout is is common. So yes. I'm not surprised to hear that. But I also know from your family and your dad how much pride he takes in not just his academy, but obviously the family following in their in, in just their potential. So I'm sure it was tough, but it was one of those decisions at the time you had to make, and now you're better for it having a chance to come back all these years later. Yes. Um, again, yeah, I think all of us, all the Hong kids have felt burnt out. We started martial arts when we were young. I started at three. I started competing at five, so it was nonstop until I stopped at 20. But um, I'm glad, and I, I have more of appreciation taking that long break towards my dad and being a parent and understanding everything he did was because he loved us, not because, you know, he was a jerk. No, he did it because he saw the potential and he saw that we could be successful in it. So, but it is what it is. I, I took a break. I'm back now and I, I see that there's still a bright future and I'm able to hopefully be a world champion one day. So we'll see. Stephanie, one of the nice things also about you is you haven't taken the amount of physical pounding because you haven't fought in, in, in a decade or like almost 10 years. So your body is probably much better off and you're stronger, you're healthier, and you haven't had a chance to get beaten down like so many other fighters would be by, by the time they reach their early 30s. I totally agree. I totally agree. I, I know some fighters that I grew up with in boxing and I see them now, and they're not the same. They're not the same. And it does break my heart. But um, I, I feel I'm more in shape now than I was at 20 years old. I, I was a great athlete back then, but now with, again, mentality and eating healthy, I, I feel like I'm better and stronger than I was when I was younger. And as far as your boxing skills go, you're a different fighter than your sister. Yes. You, you, let's talk about really what you bring in terms of your skill set in the ring. So... From me and Jennifer, I'm definitely bigger than her, and I'm stronger and faster. Jenny's a lot more technical than me, but um, I, I feel everyone says it that I'm a lot stronger than her and a lot faster than her. So those are my those are my um, aspects, um, good qualities that I have. Stephanie, I'm uh, back here. I just want to ask you, what made you fall back in love with combat sport? Or is there like a moment in you kind of coming back to it that you thought, "Wow, this is why I came back. This is why I love this sport." Um, when I quit, I kind of always had that regret of, I could have been great. I could have, I could have been successful. Some of the people that I fought in the amateurs, like Michaela Mir, I beat her, Tiara Brown, she was a world champion. So it was always like, oh, I could have been great. So when I came back, when I sparred Jennifer and decided, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to actually try. It's either now or never. I'm not going to live life with regrets. Um, I was doing it for me this time, not for my dad, not for my family, but because of me. So that's when I realized a couple of years ago, I was like, yeah, you know, what? I'm going to do this and we'll see how far it goes because I want to do it. Was there a moment that really stood out to you that you maybe left a training session, maybe left a fight or a sparring that you were like, okay, I'm, I'm totally back in it. It would be when I was training with Jennifer. I was training with Jennifer and I'm like, oh, wow, Jennifer is a world champion and I'm keeping up with her and I, I can handle her and I'm, I'm, I'm making her sparring difficult because she's sparring me, probably her hardest sparring partner. So why not? Why not do this? I love it. More with Stephanie as we keep things moving uh, here on Sports Talk. But first, let's go to Adrian. Bottom of the hour, he's got a Sports Center update for us. Adrian, thank you very much. Uh, Stephanie Hahn will be fighting Nicola Ivoza in the main event uh, on uh, Friday night for 
Ring Wars 9, which, by the way, will also feature female fighters like uh, Amy Salinas, uh, Brie Howling. It also has uh, Danielle Perkins and Brittany Sims. So uh, let's talk about that. We have five female fighters of the nine boxing uh, you know, matches on the card. How great is that to see that you are now with a group um, in Marshall Kaufman and King's Promotions that is so devoted to female boxing that he has more females on Friday's fight card than males? I think it's great. Um, from Boxing has grown, especially in women's boxing, since I started my amateur days, and now it's it's amazing. It's very popular. It's growing, so I'm really glad to come back at a time where um, it's very popular. But all the girls on the card, very, very accomplished. A lot of them were multinational champions as amateurs. Amy Salinas, she's a firecracker. She's freaking awesome from Las Cruces. Um, Brittany Sims, she's the number one contender, according to WBA. Very, very competitive. Brie Howling, I've met her. She's from Canada. Very strong. So uh, they're all exciting fights. Um, This is going to be awesome for El Paso to witness these very talented female fighters. Meanwhile, you've got Jorge Tovar back in the ring. That's going to be a big one. Victor Aranda, who I thought was sensational in the last bout uh, when he fought back in November, a spectacular knockout. He's on the card. This is all about professional fighters from the local area for El Paso. Do you know that Victor Aranda was an Olympic alternate? I do. And Victor, sadly enough, Victor's story was really COVID. I mean, he was ready to go into the Olympics potentially, and COVID kind of sidetracked everything because of what happened, uh, you know, back four years ago. And you know, who knows? But he's got so much talent. So much. There's a there's a ton of really really good boxers here locally, isn't there? Yes, there is, and I'm glad that we get to showcase our talents here in El Paso. So hopefully everyone comes out to El Paso to support us. Yeah, I would agree with that, especially knowing the venue. I've seen so many great shows at the Coliseum over the years. It's perfect for boxing, perfect for this kind of a card. And not only that, one thing I've noticed about really uh, King's Promotions they want to grow it. They want this to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And the more people that come out and support, uh, the, 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 the better the future looks to getting bigger shows and letting you uh, appear on, you know, who knows what could happen uh, down yes. the road. So I'm, I'm glad that we have King's promotion coming here. He's um, Marshall Kaufman's awesome. And whatever he says, actually, he lives up to his word. So hopefully he keeps running shows, and hopefully he takes it to the next level here in El Paso. What can you tell us about Nicola, your opponent, uh, here Friday night? So there's not that much information on her um, online. She's from Slovakia. She's young. I believe she's 20 years old. And she's a Southpaw. That's all I know about her. <laughs> is this the first Southpaw you will have a chance to fight this professionally? This is the first time I'm fighting a Southpaw. So I've been training a lot of Southpaw. Yeah, a lot, right. lot of soft te- techniques and tactics. How is sparring for you locally? How, in terms of the quality of of boxers that you can get into the ring with just to prepare and train for these fights? So for me, sparring, um, I don't depend on women because it's really hard to, for me to fight female sparring unless it's my sister Jenny. But um, I've been sparring a lot of people, a lot of young guys at Las Cruces Pal, and they've been so helpful, very helpful. So I'm very grateful that I have a sparring partner because. Those sparring partners, because they're not intending to, you know, take my head off. Yeah. They really work with me, so I, I'm very blessed. Does Jennifer ever get back into the ring these days? I know she's kind of retired and focusing on, on being a mom, but can you uh, can you talk her into getting into the ring just to give you a good workout? Um, yes, she does still help me. She still helps me. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> right, currently, right now, she's injured, but she was helping me a month ago. Oh, but she, she does what she can, and she still watches me spar, and she still gives me critique and criticism. So she's she's still there. So she's the big sister that she's always been. Yes, for you. she's there, supporting me every step of the way. Okay, that's good. Uh, we're going to give away tickets today, so somebody's going to get an opportunity to go to the Coliseum and, and watch uh, Stephanie in the ring. Uh, for you, if everything goes well, how many times do you want to fight this year? What would, what would be the the goal for you? As many as possible. So I'm currently scheduled to fight next month in Pennsylvania. So again, I started late. I want to take advantage of me being in shape and me um, me going up in the rankings. So as many opportunities as I can, I wouldn't mind fighting four or five times a year this year. That'd be great. Do you almost feel like, even though you haven't had a chance to, to fight the best yet in the world, that you're starting to enter your prime just because of your age, your experience, the fact that you don't have a lot of mileage on you like so many fighters? Do you feel like, okay, these next few years, these are my prime years, and this is really when I want to try to accomplish all of it? No, I, I know that I'm improving each and every, each and every day in the ring. Um, I've, I started boxing again three years ago and I could see so much improvement that I had since I still had my first pro fight three years ago. I'm improving and I'm only getting better. One thing I've, I I remember though, about watching Jennifer, she had a hard time getting fights for so many years. Nobody wanted to fight her. Um, and that was a try. That was a problem because female boxing has had its ups and downs over the years. And now it seems like it's back on an upswing. There's a lot of female fighters professionally out there and suddenly getting opponents to come and, and, and fight and challenge. It's not as difficult now as maybe it was five, 10 years ago when she was really trying to come up the ranks. It's still difficult. It's yeah. still difficult, especially for me, since when they look me up, I'm associated with Jennifer Hahn, who's a former world champion. I'm associated with Abraham Hahn, who is a world contender. So it is very difficult. And that's why I'm fighting a girl from Slovakia. <laughs> so they're just trying to get me fights. Have you thought of changing your last name just for the purpose of boxing so nobody can do their homework on you and you can <laughs> that way they'll come and they'll take fights against you? Have we thought I, of that? I love my last name. It's part of me. Um, I'm, I am married, so I might hyphenate my last name and make my husband happy. So we'll yeah. see. Hopefully uh, we'll see. Listen, how many years have you been married? I've been married for 10 years. If you haven't done it yet, forget <laughs> it. You don't, you don't need to do that. You can just forget that idea. I just had to bring it up because I've been thinking to myself, well... If maybe putting together a, a different last name will help you get fights, then, you know, got to do what you got to do. But you're right. You want to win with your last name. I love my There's name. There's a lot of pride with the Han family name and what it's all about. So yes. I, I, I don't think I would change it. But I, I do hope you get fights because ultimately that's the name of the game here is yes. you getting as much experience as possible. And it's a shame that in 2024 with as much, uh, you know, as many female fighters as we have, it's still so difficult for you to try to get good challenges. Exactly. Um, well, hopefully I keep going up with the rankings where... You know, I, I'm offered one of those those um, world title opportunities. So we'll see. Keep going up, keep winning, and improving my record. And if you had to give a message out for people that are listening right now and are uh, ultimately, you know, they want to go watch you and, and everybody fight on uh, on Friday night, what would you tell them? Um, please, El Paso, Las Cruces, come out to El Paso County Coliseum this Friday, March 1st. Fights start at 7 o'clock. I think doors open at 6.30. You're not going to want to miss all the good fights. A lot of great, great, great female fights. Um, great heavyweight fight. Great um, local fighters like George Tavar and Victor Aranda. They're, they're going to be great. So please don't miss out. 
Not, Tickets are very affordable. They only start off at thirty dollars. Yeah, I think actually twenty five. I saw so twenty five yes. for this. So it's not bad. And not only that, the whole point is we want this to continue. That's yes, the, that's the most important thing. Is they want the, you know the promoters want to establish El Paso and bring three to four fights a year to uh, to this city and and continue to grow it. And the only way to do that is it's to have is yes. to have strong attendance and fans to come and realize. And I was there back in November and I saw the crowd on a Friday night competing against high school football they were loud they were into it but high school football was was last uh, last year this time around there is nothing competing with friday night at the coliseum it is the perfect opportunity to come and watch you and all these great local fighters in the ring yes um it's going to be great it's going to be great please come out um we want to have a lot of people in attending so king's promotion could come out and and do good for El Paso. This is good for bringing boxing to El Paso. You said you're bigger and stronger than your sister. Are you going for a knockout Friday? Is that the goal? Or for you, since you're going up against a southpaw for the first time in the ring, you're not really worried about a knockout. You just want to look impressive, win the fight, and, and just keep your, uh, you know, keep your record intact as you keep going up the ladder. Um, for me, my family, we never say we want to look for the knockout because that's when we get reckless and that's when we get caught. But I'm strong enough, and if, it, if I see the knockout, then I'm definitely taking advantage of that, for sure. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. Thank it's you. Great to see you. Thanks for dropping in, and uh, we'll see you Friday night. Looking forward to it. Yes, thank you. Thank you. You got it. She's Stephanie Hahn, folks, joins us here on Sports Talk as we continue. 20 in front of 5, back with more. And, yes, we'll give away those tickets. Adrian, let's just give it away right now. What do you think? What callers should win those boxing tickets here for Friday night? Uh, let's ask her. What's, what's your lucky number, Stephanie? Yeah, lucky number, Stephanie. And be honest. whatever 1 to 100, what's your lucky number? Three. Man, caller number three. Here, I was thinking she was going to go caller 75 or something like that, but now we're going caller three. Three. All right, simply enough. Caller three wins them. 505-6009. You're going to uh, Ring Wars 9 this Friday out at the Coliseum. Start of hour number two here on Sports Talk. Welcome back, everybody. Want to uh, remind you, 600ESPNElPaso.com is your home for dining deals along with great articles that are written on a daily basis uh, from everybody. And, hey, dining deals this week is going to be focusing on crawdaddies. That's right. We are going to give uh, you the opportunity to enjoy, simply put, the best sea, the best Cajun seafood in El Paso, just like that. Black and catfish. Uh, they also have shrimp. Uh, they've got crawfish. They've got everything. And you also have uh, jambalaya, red beans, and rice. Hey, for 15 years, Crawdaddy's has been serving it up. 212 Cincinnati Avenue. Yesterday, Adrian gave you that great uh, testimonial about how he lived at Crawdaddy's during his uh, days working at UTEP uh, and, and living, uh, going to college at UTEP. And now yeah. you can enjoy $50 there, Adrian, for just $25. I feel like I could feast for that at Crawdaddy's, Steve. I mean, it's it's not like they have crazy menu prices. They're pretty affordable all across the board. And it's delicious food. Like, uh, it's such great stuff, and I can't wait uh, you know, for this one to go on sale Friday. Did you have a go-to when you were at Cry Daddy's? Yeah. Like you're, you're, you're just your you're regular that you had to have? What was it? You know, it was lemon pepper wings. It sounds simple, but it was that. And then the fries are, like, fantastic. So I would always go fries, too. But you, you would say, well, why are you doing this at a place that uh, serves Cajun food? Won't you go a little seafood, something like that? Yeah, I would. Uh, but that that was my go-to. I just love their wings and fries. Man, was it... Did the fries just have like a certain seasoning that you love? They loved? did. They did. I, you know 
know what? I- I'm going to have to actually purchase this one from uh, Dining Deals because I haven't been to Crawdaddy's uh, in a while, and I really want to go back. That's fantastic. Again, uh, Friday, 10 a.m., $50 to Crawdaddy's, folks, for just $25, and it's available on uh, Dining Deals at 600ESPNElPaso.com. We've got a special guest coming in in a moment. We've got also uh, Cade McConnell here with us right now for the next couple of hours, uh, hoping to land a big NIL deal just like his buddy Jackson Dart did at uh, Ole Miss. Did you get an opportunity, Adrian, to see the uh, NIL deal that oh, Dart landed? Is this the jet? Yes, it this is, is the, the jet. jet. Oh my goodness. I love the jet. It looked great. It looked fresh. You know, we've got we actually have a mutual friend who is uh you know, might might uh, buy a jet here soon enough. Okay, well, for anyone who doesn't know exactly what Jackson Dart's NIL deal was, it was released that with Nicholas Air, he partnered with for a evaluation of about 1.4 million dollars, which I don't think that's a paid 1.4 million. That's estimated in what you know the uh value like a trade out yeah the yeah. value of the yeah. nil deal but basically you know with the fleet of jets that nicholas air owns jackson dart can use them for travel for philanthropy or for training um and i mean that just blows my mind i actually train uh with the same coaches and at the same facility that he does back home in california and like being able to have a private jet to go home and train for the weekend i mean that's just like a whole different stratosphere of thinking that like I couldn't even comprehend. I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm I'm, I'm going to go home this weekend. Yeah. I want to go. I want to go train. Let's just hop on a plane Saturday. Come back on Sunday. It's all good. I mean, it's it's wild to me. So what you're telling me is that you believe Jackson Dart has what could be the greatest NIL deal ever. Because like I've seen one that was like Rolls Royce, right? Didn't uh, wasn't there a player that that, that just uh, did he get a Rolls Royce uh, NIL or was it a was it was it a Rolls-Royce or a Ferrari, Adrian? Who am I thinking of? I, I'm not too sure. I'm doing a quick check on this. I thought it was a player who actually landed a deal with a Rolls-Royce, a Rolls-Royce dealership. Maybe I'm wrong on that one. But, I mean, if you had a choice, okay, let's just put it this All way. All right, I got you. DJ Wagner pulled up to the McDonald's game in a Rolls-Royce. Okay, so there you go. So DJ Wagner has an NIL deal with a Rolls. So if you could pick the greatest NIL deal that you could ever land, Forget money. Just what right. you would consider the greatest NIL deal ever. What what would that be? I, I feel like it would honestly have to be the jet. You know, yeah. regardless, like not talking about money because obviously, like if you just had you know infinite money, that would that would be different. Yeah, but, sure. If somebody just get, you know, we're going to pay you, you know, for the rest of eternity. You're like, okay, thank you. I'll yeah, you exactly. Yeah. But as far as like things that are not just specifically you know financial, right? I would think the jet would be number one because. I mean, that is a capability and an advantage to go different places and do things and and f- travel, go train. I mean, it makes the United States shrink really, really fast. It does. And not to mention you get to ride on a private jet, which is, is pretty fun. I would think that that would be the greatest, right? I mean, that's, that sounds like it would be a blast. So your ultimate NIL is a PJ. That is just the one thing that you say that has got to be the coolest NIL ever. Yeah, I think that has to be. I think I would take that over a car any day of the week. All right. Um Judah Zinn was here, your teammate, tight end for UTEP. And um, I'm going to ask what he thinks his NIL, the ultimate NIL deal for him would be. First off, Judah, welcome to the program. It's good to see you. And uh, thanks for, uh, for dropping in and spending time with us today. How you doing? I'm doing good today. How are you doing? Hey, we're doing great. Thank you. All right. So you just heard Cade say that a private jet, just like uh, his buddy Jackson Dart was able to get uh, at Ole Miss, would be the greatest NIL deal that, that he could see. Now, for you, 
based on your lifestyle and everything that, that you do, you tell me. Let's just say you could land the best NIL deal of all time. Would it be money? Would it be a jet? Would it be a car? Is it something that we're not even thinking about? What do you believe would be, for you, the greatest NIL deal that you could have while you're at UTEP? Uh, I think the greatest NIL deal. Honestly, I already yeah. have a car. It gets me from point A to point B. Don't okay, need so, that. So car's out. All right, so I'm from enough. I'm from California, just like Kate. So honestly, I think I'm going to have to go with the private jet. It's just it would be so convenient to have that, being able to just go home, see the family when you need to, um, get and go back and go home and see your trainers. I think trainers probably the biggest thing because yeah. sometimes, you know, you need a little bit of guidance when you're out here and it's not – it's not the easiest to do it over the phone, so I'm going with the private jet for sure. Okay. Uh, by the way, how far apart uh, are the two of you in California? How, like, are you guys close to each other or are you guys a little bit away? So Kate, Kate's from L.A. You're like from I'm Long Beach. I'm Long He's Beach. Long Beach. I'm from Fontana, California. So I would say that's about like an hour and 15 minutes without traffic. With traffic, you're looking at like a little farther, <laughs> a little longer. So Hour Kate, 45. So here's what I'm thinking, okay? So when, when Kate gets that NIL deal, right, and he's like, hey, Come on here, Judah. Jump in the uh, PJ with me. We're going to go together back to California. Would he be able? Like, would you guys be able to go to the same, uh, you know, airport, and then you're you're good to go? Or does he have to like drop you off someplace closer? You, I'm just curious based on traffic how that would work. What do you think? I would say it just depends on the time of day. But right. honestly, oh, that's crazy. See, that's a crazy comment right there, Steve. If yeah. I if if somehow me and you were flying home on a private jet, <laughs> yeah. I don't care what airport we go to. <laughs> I, I mean, you're you're just taking it there, and then we'll make do with whatever okay. it is after that. That's fine. So as long as you get the private jet to get to Southern California, you're good. After that, it's it's all gravy. A hundred percent. You got. We got to make it work at that point. See, that's the. I'm. See, now I'm going into fantasy land, Steve. Yes. Like I'm starting to think about it, and I'm like, oh my god. I mean, with all the guys live back in California, hop on the jet, go back home, see the family for a night, train a little bit, get some work. Boom, we're back here. Successful weekend. It does seem like the ultimate nil deal. It really does. It's like living in a completely different world. Yeah. Have you now? Let me ask you this: Have you flown in a private jet before? No. Okay. Judah, have you flown in a private no, jet sir. before? Yeah. Okay, so part of it is also the fact that, you know, you've seen them, but you've never been in one in the air. So for you guys, it's, I mean, and let's be honest, most people have never and will never fly in a private jet in their lifetime. That is, that is something that very few people can say they've had a chance to, to enjoy, and correct? You, and you're not one of those people. <laughs> Flex on them. Yeah, Listen. let them know, Steve. Listen. Let them know. Listen, I have been fortunate to fly in a private jet. I have. Um, doesn't matter how many times, uh-huh. uh, but I've been, I've been in one. And yes, truthfully, in terms of what the plane entails and convenience, it's unbelievable. I mean, just the fact that you don't have to wait in a line to board. Man. You don't have to worry about anything. You just get on the plane. It takes off. It lands. And you don't have to worry. That, that right there is, from a convenience, yeah. there is nothing better than that. It's true. I, so I, I, can, I can understand about that. I can understand. Look, I'm going to jump in, guys, because I think that there's actually, you guys, if you guys are the only players on the team with the PJ, can you imagine all the requests you're going to get? All the different, yeah, you know, the looks that you're going to get in the locker room? Ooh, I see Kate slipping in play. I should be the one with the PJ. This is, this is all locker room talk. Why not get a deal with like a Southwest Airlines or a Delta mm. Airlines, yeah. and then it's like unlimited flights? That's true, too. Then you, you fly commercial, but 
Just imagine if Southwest gave you an NIL deal, how cool that would be. Oh, that would be awesome, especially because Southwest flies to Long Beach, which is like, you know, five, six minutes from where I live, and it would be the most convenient thing ever. But here's my comment to that, Adrian. I completely agree with you in the sense of sometimes guys having too high of discrepancies in NIL compared to the rest of the team can cause issues. But as flashy as a private jet is, right, you still can show up to the facility and do your work without looking entirely different. You know what I mean? Whereas if you pull up to the facility in a Rolls Royce, I feel like that has a little bit different of a, a stigma than being outside of the facility saying I have travel capabilities elsewhere. Can we agree on that? Oh, yeah, I definitely – I mean, like, if we're talking Shadur at yeah. Colorado who's rolling up in a G-Wagon and he's uh, – all his other players are, are maybe not even pulling up to campus in a car – you know, then yeah, that's definitely, there's a huge gap right there. But the work ethic on the field, that's something I'll always appreciate. I can tell you one thing, someone who probably wouldn't care about the flash and would just own it and continue to go is this guy right here. (laughs) 100%. Is that wrong? No, you're not wrong. Honestly, I don't care what anybody thinks. Um, I'm rolling up with the Rolls Royce. Okay, so there it is. The Rolls, if you had had the chance, that's it. Now, would you, no, here's another question, okay? Um, How many years have you been in the UTEP program? So I've been here for exactly one year. Okay. That means that you're on the trip to FIU. Yes, sir. You saw the vehicles that were there for Vice Night when well, they were doing Miami Vice Night. Well, let me cut you off there because after our Arizona game, I had to made the decision to redshirt. But I saw it. I saw what vehicles they had there. Okay. So after that, okay, so you made the decision. When you made the decision to redshirt, when you redshirt, you don't travel, correct? You pretty much stay back. Well, I mean, they still traveled me for some odd reason for, like, an additional two games, and then I had to, like, make a talk with our old head coach, and then after that they cut it off. Okay. So you, so you, had you not said anything, you could have been on that FIU trip. Yes, sir. Okay. I could have. All right. By the way, that was Kate's coming out game. You know, that, was, that, was the, that was the Cade McConnell. That first quarter will probably be one of the greatest Electric. moments of his Electric. life. I agree with that. I was watching that on TV, and I was just thinking, oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, we were, in the, we were in the house. We were screaming, all mm. of us guys that were back home. I love that. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. I'm like, Cade McConnell, the, the same guy from Cerritos College. That's right. Like, we, some people don't know about the Cerritos Cade and Los, Los Alamitos. Los Alamitos Cade and Cerritos Cade were – that was a bad man. What's right different? Um, I would say there's not really a difference because it's still the same guy, but I feel like when he finally got his opportunity to shine – he took and ran with it and didn't look back. You know what I'm saying? And he was one of my uh, my buddies' quarterback, and I was honestly going to make the move to go to Los Alamitos. With, uh, his name was Demario King. I wanted to go there. And then I was seeing uh, – I was thinking in my head, like, when I was watching his house, I'm like, damn, who's throwing you the ball? And uh, and then later to find out, I'm like, oh, that was Cade McConnell. And I'm like, okay. And then I kind of figured out who he was as I got here, and then I was like – I was backtracking because he told me, oh, I went to Cerritos College. And then he's like, oh, do you know who this is? And I was like, so that is you. Mm. So, so, you so you knew all about him. And then you finally got a chance to meet him mm-hmm. here at UTEP. Yes, sir. I like that. We talked about this for a while. And there was a really good chance that Judah and I could have been high school teammates. Um, and then potentially into that junior college teammates. You never know what would have happened after that or whatever. But, I mean, that would have been pretty cool if, if we got to be teammates. I wish that would have happened. That would have been a lot of fun. Yes, sir. Yeah, but think about it. Now you're teammates at a D1 school here at UTEP. That's even, be- that, that, that's even better, right? It is. Everything yes, happens for a reason, right? Uh-huh. The plan worked out the way it did. And, and me and
and Judah are going to have some quarters together like we did uh, at FIU um, uh, last season. There's going to be some of those this year between us. So I'd, I'd rather have us here at UTEP together, but it was, it's fun thinking about what could have happened at Los Alamos. Yeah, it's not Texas high school football, so it doesn't really that matter that much. <laughs> you're, you're, are we going to start that debate right now? He, that's, that's he's what I'm, he's, he's ready, ready to, to fire that, that off. Texas versus California. Oh, man. Do we have enough time in the show for that today? Do we you're have gonna, enough time? You're going to need to go till 10 o'clock if we start that. I feel like that'd be the case. All right, more with Judah, more with Cade, more sports talk as we continue. But first, here's Charlie One with traffic. All right, 22 past the hour. We're back right now with uh, everybody here. My God, Judah Zen was here. We've got Cade here. We've got Alberto in the house as well. By the way, um, Judah, since we're getting a chance to, to talk to you for the first time, um, how excited are you knowing that – um, college football 25 from EA Sports is right around the corner. Yeah. I feel, I'm so excited about that. Like, just, I feel like every kid is, has a dream of, you know, being in a video game and mm-hmm. knowing that we have the, have the opportunity to actually be in a video game is just like exciting. Like, not a lot of people can say that, hey, I'm in this game right here. And that's right. Now, since with the new NIL rules, like, they can actually put your name in it and you know that's you. So you're gonna. So you're opting in. You're telling oh, me you're taking that. You're taking that money in that video game. Is not even a question? Hands down. All right. Um, here's the tough part, because you redshirted last season and you really haven't had the chance to establish yourself yet. You know that although you'll be in the game, your grade is not going to be what it could be if you were to let's say catch uh, for you know five six hundred yards, uh, you know five touchdowns and that kind of thing. So, here's my question. Cade last year started half the games. Mm-hmm. He shined on multiple occasions. What do you think his grade is going to be when the game comes out? What do you feel EA will put on on Cade as a QB? You could be honest with this, too. We did a Twitter poll, so you're not going to hurt my feelings. No, no. Right? I know, I know, I know. All right, so look. Here's what I'm going to factor in. Mm-hmm. Just for me seeing the like the last game they made, which was at uh, NCAA 14. Mm-hmm. That's correct. And seeing what UTEP's rating was compared to the other Power 5 schools. Do you remember that? Like, because I, 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 I don't – the only reason why I remember is because our, our last tight end coach, he had us over, and we were all playing NCAA 14. So oh, I got cool. I had the opportunity to see it. Okay. And I think UTEP was like a 70 – like no higher than a 75. Yeah. So I'm already knowing that since we're not – we're a group of five – and we right now, as of right now, we are not at the top of the list. But mark my words, we will be after okay. the season. So I'm I'm already knowing that they're going to they're going to put him lower than what we know what he can do. So let's say like 68 highest, like 71, because the team's overall rating is going to be in the 70s. Now listen to this. That's we a, take this we take this Twitter poll right? right. We do this on X and Twitter. The 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 range we did five like like plus or minus five for all the different four uh, four options we we did you know higher than seventy five lower than I think sixty and then we did sixty five to sixty nine and then seventy to seventy four the one range that won out was sixty five to sixty nine mm-hmm. so you just picked sixty eight that went right in the sweet spot of what received the largest number of votes. From our uh, from our listeners, so you, you hit it, you hit it right on right. the head, and you know you said high is possibly seventy one. Well, the second group was seventy to seventy four, and then I think it was 
Higher than 75 had like 15%. Lower than 65 had like 10%. So for the most part, most people believe that 65 to 75 range is going to be the sweet spot where Cade goes. Yes, sir. What Judah's not telling you though is like this is a this is a very accurate representation because he is an avid like football video game player. We're not gonna we're not gonna talk about how avid you are, but <laughs> we will say that like he plays Madden like very seriously. So yeah. he's having, a gamer. Having a, oh yeah, we, we we game all the time together. Mm-hmm. Okay, but like him, I'm, I'm more of like the shooting game kind of guy. Like I will admit it, I will admittedly say like I don't play Madden very much, but. This guy right here, I, I can't tell you how excited he probably is for this game to come out because he is a extremely skilled Madden player. Now, yeah. now listen to this, guys. We already know that the 2025 game is set because it's coming out this summer, right? So it's done. All the games have been – I mean, maybe there might be updates, but for the most part, the graphics are done. Everything's done. Right. How great would it be if for College Football 26, if you play as UTEP, if you win a game – your head coach takes off his shirt and he is body painted with the logo and on the back it just says win the west and you've got a graphic of scotty walden where he is body painted after a victory in celebration with the team how amazing would that be that would be actually very cool that they they even took notice of that when i i remember seeing that i had gotten a text they were like your coach i'm like what do you what do you do they said he's blue. I'm like, how do you mean he's blue? I get a video sent to me on Snapchat, and it's him just going wild in the stands, running around. And I'm thinking, no way he has a shirt off. I get a closer look, it's the man's shirt's off, and I'm just thinking, I'm like, I can't even be like, I'm not even surprised because this is him, 25 eight all the time. Like I was thinking, maybe it's just the front. Like he can turn this off. He's always like this. He's always electric every day. Now, you just said something interesting, okay? Most people will say he's like that 24-7. You said 25-8. So we're talking 25 hours a day, eight days a week. Yeah, exactly what we're, I said. We're adding, we're adding an hour and a day to this guy. <laughs> Exceeding. But, you're, but the truth is, what you see is what you get. Really? And as a – I mean, you, you tell me. I mean, you've, have you ever been around anyone – in the game, like him, with the energy and what he brings to the table? I'm trying to think back, and as I can think as of right now, nobody matches up to him. Like, not even, not even close. Like, it's it's actually pretty insane. No, every, every coach has, like, their own flavor and their own sauce and spin that they do what they do good, and that's how they've gotten to become a Division One college head coach. And, and any coach, for that matter. High school, junior college, doesn't matter. But as far as energy goes and being, you know, borderline nuts, uh, it, it's, Coach Walden's, <laughs> it's Coach Walden's trophy. Oh, yes, sir. I... I now that I think about it, all of my head coaches have been uh, the pretty chill ones. I would say, like, maybe, like, the receiver coach, the linebacker. Like, someone else is filling that, sh- that shoe. And just to see it as the head coach filling in those shoes and still being the head man, is, it just blows my mind. Uh, Judah, I'm just going to be honest. Uh, I I was very disappointed this past season um, of your non, I guess, kind of factor in games just because there weren't a lot of opportunities for you to be in there. And I felt like there was a void for what your position requires, but it felt like you just weren't given the opportunities. And I I went to practice, so I saw you out there and active and stuff like that before uh, you elected to redshirt this season. So what happened? Uh, so what happened in the season, uh, 
going into fall camp, I would say I didn't have the spring ball that I wanted to have, and I'm just going to be flat out honest. I didn't have the spring ball I wanted to have, and I knew, like, fall camp, I had to bounce back, and I had something to prove right then and there. And so we're going in, I think it was maybe practice 5-6. I wasn't – I'll take full full accountability. I wasn't taking care of my patellar tendonitis, and usually what happens with that, I think they said that your quads get super tight, and I just kept going and going and going, and then it got so bad to the point where I had uh, strained my quad, and I had never strained my quad before. So then I was thinking maybe, you know, week and a half, two weeks, I'm going to be good. Tried to run again the following week, wasn't going. Tried again a week after that, and I just felt like everything I did would not get it right. So then I, I'm literally in a mad scramble. I think it was game week zero versus Jacksonville State. I had flew to Nashville, Tennessee to go get some treatment, and I came back and I was actually finally able to run. And so I kind of knew coming in that game I wasn't going to be getting the most reps because I just missed all of fall camp and I came back two days before the first game. So I knew that. So going into our second game versus uh, Incarnate, Incarnate Word. Word yeah. Yes, sir. Incarnate Word. I was, I was feeling great. I'm like, okay, you know what? I didn't practice the following week, the, uh, the prior week, so I'm knowing – I practiced full this whole week. Like I should be good to go. So we usually get a we get a packet, and it lets you know in the beginning of the packet, it lets you know what formations you're in. And I'm seeing my name in a bunch of uh, personnel's and formations. I'm like, oh yeah, like this is the week. Like you know, this is the week that I make a name for myself. Then I think the game finally came, and <laughs> we didn't run. <laughs> we didn't run as many like any of those formations and I was just I was I, I was upset but I mean we got the win so you know you can't be upset so I'm like okay let's go uh we go to Northwestern same thing I'm like all right I'm ready and I would say I played maybe eight to eight to ten snaps that game mm-hmm. I would say and I would say majority of them were jumbo personnel trying to get the first down or something like that we were uh yeah. we were pushing Gavin Hardison so then we're coming into this fourth game and I I knew, like, I was kind of talking about it with my family back home. I knew if this is not the week where I'm getting a lot of reps, I might just redshirt and save this year for myself because at the end of the day, I know everybody's end goal is to get to the NFL, hands down. But for that to happen, you have to be productive. Mm-hmm. And I was not productive after three games. So going into week four – or week three, technically week three versus Arizona, I had played a little bit. Then I think I got my first target, uh, and then um, and then I got like the we were already down, so they you know just go in. So then after that game, I I called my mom I'm like, yeah, this is this is it. I'm returning. I'm saving my year, and just you know I'm gonna get better. So then after that, I just started giving the uh, the starting defense a look, and then I was just. Doing my thing, having fun out there, uh, just trying to be the best team that I could after that. All right. I want to I follow up with this in a second, but uh, we've got uh, Judah here with us right now. It's the bottom of the hour, 33 past, and your story is really interesting, and I've got questions. So we'll, we'll come back. We'll do more of this. But first, let's go to Adrian and get this Sports Center update. Adrian, thank you very much. Uh, Judah Zenwell went to Fontana, California, about an hour and 30 minutes away from Cade McConnell, and he joins us here on Sports Talk as we talk to UTEP's tight end. So you're telling the story about last season, and you decide to to redshirt. At that point, when you redshirted, were you still thinking 
I'm going to stay on this roster after this season, and I'm going to make a name for myself? Or are you already thinking that if everybody comes back, I might look to transfer out and just try another spot to uh, to establish myself? When you redshirt that early in the season voluntarily because you're not being used, what is your thought process for the future? So here's my thought process. Um, I was looking at if – Say that everybody was retained and everybody stayed. I was thinking this is not the best fit for me due to the fact of we run the ball. We ran the ball a lot. And with the skill set that I have, like, I can stretch the field vertical. Mm-hmm. Like, n- like no hand, like no doubts about it. Like, you put a corner, safety, linebacker in front of me, chances are I- I'm burning them. It doesn't matter. So I knew I could do so much more and – I knew, like, if the staff stayed, I was probably thinking about transferring. But, however, if the staff were to leave, which had happened, I was like, then why not just give it a try? You know? Like, there's no point. First, my and my thought process is, I don't have any film. I only have practice tape. So, you know, you either got to, like, the previous offers that I had had to come in and say they want to pick me up if I hit the portal. Or I can just, you know, stick it out and see what this new staff has to offer and... That's what I did. Well, and by the way, you're six three, two hundred and forty pounds. So, um, and and you're fast, and that's huge because you're a big target, and you know you have the opportunity to, even though you play tight end, affect the game as a receiver. Then you find out that UTEP hires a coach who runs a play every twelve seconds, wants to get up and down the field as fast as humanly possible, and really is all about throwing the ball. They have a they have a big run time runner at Austin P, but they throw the ball a lot. So all of a sudden, the offense seems much more appealing for you than maybe it had over the last year since you've been here i'm thinking oh goodness i'm staying here I, as soon as i heard that i was like i want to stay but the only thing i thought about was play for 12 seconds <laughs> gotta get the cardio right for sure like mm-hmm. because we've been out there running plays uh yesterday i had my first opportunity they wanted me to uh just go outside and go play x and i was doing that and after like the third play because uh I think I had ran like I had ran a go, mm-hmm. then I ran like a hit, uh, like a deep hook, and I'm just like, oh goodness, like this is gonna be tougher than I thought. But you know what? You just put the work in, and honestly, by the time season comes, I, I will be ready. Well, okay. speaking of that too, right? Like one of the things me and you have talked about in extension because you know we've done a lot of work off the field together. Even as soon as season ended, me and you were throwing uh, after on the practice field, and we've continued to do that. But like one of the things we've talked about is like after your first season of being here, and then after my first season going into this past season, like you get a very new perspective on what Division One college football is and what it takes in order to even be a, a guy that gets on the field. You know what I mean? Judah, I know everyone knows in the building that Judah has the talent to go play and be an amazing player that sets himself apart from the rest of the competition. No one's questioning that. But me and you have had talks like it takes everything Mm -hmm. in this sport at this level in order to be successful. It doesn't matter how talented you are. And so that's one of the things that we've really been working on ever since this past season ended uh, was just going on and getting those extra work and trying to take advantage of as many moments as we possibly can outside of the confines of actual practice time in order to try to get ahead. And I think that's one of the things that's going to set you apart from other people on the team, other people in the conference and in the country are doing those types of things. That way you can make yourself a weapon. All right.
You want to elaborate on that? He set you up perfectly. That is, by the way, this is what he does during the internship. He is now assuming the roles of like a host because he he gave you the greatest setup ever, and you responded with right. So what you need to do is say, you know what, Cade? You couldn't have put it any better, and here's why. And then you just take the ball. Like he's throwing you a slow-pitch softball, or in the case of kickball last Friday. He's <laughs> giving you – he's rolling the kickball right up to the plate for you to just kick that thing – 400 feet in the air, over the wall for the home run, and then you can finish it for him. So go ahead and, and take that lead from your QB and, and, and finish that for him like I know you can. Okay. So, you know, first time on the show. so I understand. You know. that's, why, that's, why, that's why we're here, Judah. We, we, already experience, we, we already expect you to be a seasoned vet who's been doing this for, uh, for his whole life, and you can just take care of it. But go ahead. Okay, so to elaborate on what Kate's saying, but, yeah, we would have – I would say, like, as soon as the – so to start it off, anytime I would make a play in practice on the scout team, Cade would just come up to me, and instead of being excited for me, he'd be like, I'm mad at you. I was so mad. Every time he made a I'm mad play. at you. Yeah. He was like, I'm like, why? Because you could have been doing this for us, but now you're shirted. So then as I knew as soon as the season was over, like, I'm texting Cade because I know we're both in the, from the same city or from the same state, and yeah. he's not too far. It's not, it's not an issue driving out that way. So no matter it was just like going into the parking lot, just getting some catches in and he's getting some throws in or we're actually hitting the field or just, you know, spending quality of time together. I feel like we both just wanted to build that chemistry on and off the field. So when it's time, when it comes down to it, like, you know, I he knows I got his back and he got mine. So. And that and that speaks a lot to the type of offense that we're about to run too, because you just got a taste of it out wide last night when we were throwing some player run stuff. And then obviously from the tight end position, but so much of the offense is predicated on having a good relationship with the receiver that's catching the ball and having a receiver option, you know, depending on where defenders are at and things like that, the receiver can change his route uh, based on variability of the defense. And so having that good connection, I mean, it starts with just throwing passes. Like we'll go out into the Sun Bowl on any given day and just, you know, throw 100 passes or whatever it may be. Short stuff, long stuff, doesn't matter, but just stand out there, get the ball from point A to point B you know in each other's hands and then that stuff will slowly over you know thousands of reps it slowly starts to correlate into the exact type of things that we're doing in that offense and all those little bits and pieces are going to lead up to some good stuff on the field love that good stuff guys excellent excellent thank you you. all right when we come back we'll wrap up the hour with Cade and and judah and, and more conversation so stay with us sports talk continues 600 espn el paso Final uh, five or six minutes here in hour number two as we continue. We're going to talk some uh, locomotive FC in our final hour of the show. Meanwhile, we get to wrap things up this hour with uh, Judah Zenwa, who is a, a UTEP tight end, redshirted last season. So he's got three years left. So he'll be a redshirt sophomore here in uh, 2024. Um, I know you're excited. I could just tell by this whole hour of conversation and talking about Takade and, and, and what you bring to the table. You tell me, um, how excited are you for spring ball? Because it will be your first opportunity to get in legitimate workouts in pad and helmet with, with not just Cade, but with a whole new coaching staff and a half of a, a brand new roster. Man, I'm super excited because I feel like Yes, the practices or the player-led practices that we have where it's just seven-on-seven, tag-off, I feel like that's a whole different ballgame when the bullets are actually live. You know what I'm saying? So you kind of get a feeling of what everybody can do, who is, who actually likes contact and who doesn't, you know? So 
I'm really super excited about that and just an opportunity to get out there and show uh, the coaching staff what I can do. So, Judah, you are also a Nigerian football player like a lot of others on this football team and a lot of alumni as well. In fact, um, I believe Ronald Awat is also Nigerian and Praise Amehule, if I'm not mistaken. Um, is that a cool, uh, I guess, kind of cultural bond that you all share uh, on the football team? Oh, of course, of course. Man, we're always uh, we're always talking about how our parents would uh, react to certain things that we would do back home or you know, just uh, missing the food, the home-cooked meals. Uh, our pre, our past teammate, uh, Kelly Akari, me and him, we would always hang out all the time. And uh, I think one time he had uh, – there's a dish we called jollof rice, and he had some in his fridge, and I was asking him for some. But Kelly Kelly's didn't want to share. He doesn't like when I'm coming over to his crib to uh, eat any of his snacks or his food. So, But, yeah, it's honestly a, it's actually pretty cool. I think we have another one, uh, Zach Essie. He's also Nigerian too. So it's just it's cool to have another people, a lot of people from your culture and everything, so you guys can kind of relate, you know. Are you also the kind of guy that likes to go into people's homes and eat their food. I mean, oh, of course. Be I mean, that's that, that's that's a good that's a good thing to do. Of course, I'm I'm at Kate's house, yeah. uh, Kate's apartment, just opening opening cabinets, opening the fridge, seeing yeah. what he has. You, yeah. know? you know, you know, when you come over though, it's not my cooking. You know that. Oh, of course, his, yeah. his girlfriend. Yeah. The best chef out here. Really? Oh, uh, by the way, what's your go-to meal in El Paso since you've been here? What do you love? Go-to meal, like restaurant or just yeah. meal in general? Let's just let's we'll start with restaurant, then we'll go uh, meal in general. So, see, I haven't really been like very out there to a lot of restaurants, but I would say West Texas and uh, Rip Hut. Oh, really? Okay, so uh, West Texas, are you eating the steak? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what's your go-to at Rib Hut? The, are you, do you go for the two dollar ribs? Uh no sir. So at first when we were, so we used to get rib hut a part of our meals. Yeah. So I think I first started at getting the barbecue sliders. Then at some point I ac- they accidentally gave me a barbecue cheeseburger and I just started I I started getting that for a while. Mm-hmm. And everybody was always telling me, Minor spud, minor spud, minor spud and I was like, you know, let me try that. So they said, But you gotta get on curly fries. And they gave it to me and I'm like, Oh my goodness, this is a lot of food and like I feel like you really gotta be hungry to get a minor spud on curly fries, but it was like one of the best things I've had out here. A minor spud on curly fries. So they give you a baked potato on curly fries? No, no, or no. Or they just taking the or they take the baked potato and they turn it in with curly fries. Correct. Yeah, correct. That sounds good. I never had that before. You ever had that, Adrian? I have. Uh, shout out to Rib Hut. That place is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh, go-to meal for you uh, when you're eating like a home-cooked meal, what's your what's your favorite? All-time favorite food. Home cooked meal that I cook? No, or just that you see if you, if I'm go if you're going home, that's that's the meal you got to have. Um, so my mom makes, uh, there's a Nigerian dish called fufu. So it's like, I, it's, I, it's one with, I would say it's like kind of like flour or I, it's not, I can't, I can't tell you what it is, but it's like you mix it with water and you, and then it becomes like this almost like paste almost as if it, yeah. and then they make, you use it and mix it with soup and then it's like the best thing. But the only thing is you get super full fast. All right. So fufu is what you're saying is the, that's the ultimate dish. Yes, sir. That's my goal is to go uh, over to Judah's house over yeah. the break, maybe spring break. We'll go, and I want to try some. Man, let's you go. To. You need to, and then you got to talk about it and tell us what it was all like. Yep, we'll be, we'll be back on to share for Fantastic. sure. Fantastic. All right, before I let you go, a lot of people are excited about this season. Uh, obviously, Scotty Walden brings a different level that we haven't seen. For you personally, give me uh, your thoughts of what you expect here in 2024 from UTEP football. Uh, things that I expect not only to go to a bowl game but win a go- bowl game. And just honestly, from what I'm seeing and how uh, everything has been going and how they were trying to instill, uh, install like discipline mm-hmm. 
and you know like unity and everything and i feel like the way how we are all going to be together by the time it's time for the season i want a conference championship and i know everyone else wants a conference championship Fans want a conference championship in the worst way possible. You can imagine. So, Man. imagine going to the games and seeing the Sun Bowl packed and sold out every game. That's what that's what having a team like that would do. Exactly. And honestly, I think we can do it. I feel like this UTEP team will go down in a history book somewhere. Where after one season, the whole program t- turned around. I love it. Love to hear that. I do too. All right, Judy, you've been great. Thanks for joining us today and to come back and see us. Okay. And thank you for having me. And of course. You got it. Next time you come in, we'll talk more about your gaming career. We'll see how good you are for Madden. All right? <laughs> yes, we'll sir. All right. Very nice. Uh, Judah with us here uh, again, folks. Uh, Judah Zinwa is a tight end for UTEP, number 17. You'll see a lot of them here in 2024. When we come back, John Burklow is in studio. He's going to talk a little Locomotive FC, their season right around the corner. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso. Welcome back, everybody. One more big hour to go. Cade doing a little uh, air guitar for Ronnie James Dio, one of our favorites, uh, as we get through what will be a busy 6 o'clock hour because we transition from UTEP football to El Paso Locomotive FC. Season right around the corner. In fact, John Burklow is with us right now. He is the first uh, assistant coach under Brian Clarhot and going to be talking a little bit about what to expect this upcoming season. Coach, uh, welcome aboard, and uh, hey, we appreciate you giving us a little time today. How are you? No, I'm doing well. I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, excited to be here with you. So, It's your first uh, time on the show, but this is not your first season with El Paso Locomotive FC. In fact, you arrived here with, with Brian a year ago. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, Brian and I have known each other for, for a few years. I wouldn't say super well. We hadn't actually met in person. Um, the first time I actually got in touch with Brian was, was when he was in Sweden. I was in St. Louis at the time, and Brian was essentially doing what I was hoping to be doing. So I, I managed to get in touch with him through social media. We had a conversation over the phone, uh, and then he introduced me to a friend of his, John Wall, who's now the uh, assistant coach with Jamaica national team. Uh, and then John and I have become really good friends. We've done a couple projects together. And so when Brian uh, took the job here, um, obviously I knew that he was taking it, congratulated him on the role, and then just be- through, through our mutual friend John, it kind of, uh, kind of all happened there. So it actually he offered me the job on uh, Christmas Eve. Oh, wow. Very and, That's uh, a cool Christmas gift. Yeah. I love that. And, and prior to coming to uh, El Paso with Locomotive FC, you spent almost 20 years in coaching and developing players, and that was really for you uh, what it's been like since your, your college days came to an end at Liberty, by the way. So if you went to Liberty and you starred there, does this mean that you will root for UTEP every game <laughs> but one in the football yeah. season? Is that is that how this will, will, will come around? John, Essentially, yeah. If Liberty's, uh, if Liberty's in town, I'll, I'll be in uh, Liberty blue and red. Uh, but yeah, other than that, go miners. Do you would you almost say that you want Cade? Like, okay, let's just take Cade for example. Say Cade's playing against Liberty. Do you say to Cade, you know what? I hope you throw for three hundred yards, four touchdowns, but you lose. That way, he still plays really well. But you come out happy that uh, as that, long that as draw I come out on yeah. top in the end, you know that's all it, all that matters. So yeah. yeah, Cade, thoughts on that? Knowing that uh, the man next to you will root rooting for you to lose, but. Still hope that you know you play well in the process. You know, I might throw for one yard against Liberty this season, but 
if we come out with the win, I'm going to be happy, and then I will personally invite John back on the show. Okay, so that's exactly. So it all comes out. And by the way, it's going to be a road game this year, John. They're playing yeah, at Liberty. At this Liberty, year. yeah, because so, yes, Liberty was was here this past season, yep. uh, but not. Uh, not yeah, I missed season. that game unfortunately. But uh, yeah, so you weren't there. No, I was. I that was the day I left on vacation. So, uh, but yeah, we all knew what was going to happen, didn't we? What kind of an right, alum, right. John? What kind of an alum leaves the day before a big game like this <laughs> yeah. uh, to go on vacation? How do you not plan better and make sure you stick around for that? You know one? what? That's, that was, uh, you know, I love my wife. She's great, but I'm gonna have to put that on her. She's the one that uh, booked everything. So. Oh, there you go. It's always good. Throw it on yeah. the wife. I like yeah. that. I hope she's not. I hope she's not listening. So, if she is, though, would you like to say hi to her? Yeah, wife? I love you, babe. You're awesome. There you so. go. Just uh, make sure you plan this next vacation uh, yeah, a little bit. Uh, on a side though. note, I'm not taking any spotlight away from your wife. On a side note, <laughs> me and Judah just complimented my girlfriend, Kaylee, on her cooking a second ago, mm. who was listening to the show the entire time and then turned it off two seconds before we said that and then didn't hear it. It's just you know it's unbelievable. I, I did text my wife and said, hey, make sure you listen. So, yeah, so my, my wife would, you know. As cooking goes, I don't think your girlfriend's coming close. But, Ooh, okay. Uh, wow, he's but, bringing yeah. the heat today. Not only Listen Liberty, but now we're talking about the cooking, and it's just, you know what? This is going to be a great segment. I yeah. like this. John's a little cocky coming on the program for the first time, and that's good. Sometimes you need some swagger on yes. air. I have to respect it, but we're also going to temper mm. it, you know? Uh, go-to dish for your wife. What's the best thing go she makes? Go-to dish. She's unbelievable at soups. So she makes a, a Tuscan potato soup that is outrageously good. So. Okay. So really for her specialty are soups. She, she kills soups, and she's Hispanic, so anything anything Mexican food. Oh, nice. Does she, uh, does she like uh, like spice? Is that uh, sp- yeah. in, the, in the meal? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense, too. All right. Hey, listen. In El Paso, it's tough to go against uh, somebody that, that cooks Latin dishes. Okay, yeah, I'm just gonna I, tell I you, That it. is a difficult one. No, yeah. It's just you're going to get a different flavor from my girlfriend. You know, she's as white as they come. So she's not get, she's not hitting the Mexican food like your wife is, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, what is Kaylee's specialty? Mm, that's a really good question. Kaylee, Kaylee is uh, – here, here's her specialty, trying random new things that she sees on the internet or on social media and doing them well. So it may not be one thing. It's just – it's something different every single time. She'll mm. see it. She'll be like, I want to try it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to improvise my own little way. And it usually comes out really good, and I have I have only good things to say. I there. like that. So, yeah. she, so she, she just likes to play around and have a good time. That's yep, it. Yep, exactly. All right. Very nice. John, for you, um, you know, last season we all know what that was like. It was a roller coaster ride it really was uh ups downs and injuries and everything else you had to go through last season almost a whole new roster this year you changed a, a lot of guys so with that being said do you expect it almost to take a little while to get everybody comfortable with their new city their new roles and ultimately their new teammates yeah i mean obviously you hope we we hit the ground running but i think it's it's natural that it's going to take a little bit of time to get all of these guys kind of comfortable and, and and clear on what their role is within the team happy with what their role is in the team um and, and able to execute what brian's wanting to do um i know we're we're really really pleased with preseason i know the the progress we've made so far has been really good uh we're excited to to take on hartford on march 9th um but, yeah, no, I definitely think it's a group that's going to get better as the season goes on. So. What have you seen in the preseason, if you really want to talk about the positives? What's the, what are some of the biggest things you've noted during your preseason matches? <clears throat> I, I mean, for me, the first thing about the group, and, and honestly, this wasn't any different than last year's group, is is the quality of the, the people we have in the locker room. You know, last year's locker room was tremendous. 
uh, a bunch of guys that really fought and worked hard for each other, and, and this group is the same. So the, the quality of the people is the first thing. When, when guys were first coming in and it was part of, uh, you know, our recruiting process was to do a bit of research and making sure we're bringing good guys in. But, you know, when you finally meet them, it was, it was really good to kind of see, you know, and get that assurance. Yeah. Um, but on the field, we've just got some very special individual players that can do some, some unique things and, and really play an exciting uh, brand of football that I think the fans will enjoy. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, so from an attacking standpoint, we're just able to do some things this year because of the quality of some of those individuals that, that maybe we weren't able to last year. Uh, and, and to see some of those early signs and, and some of the relationships that are starting to form has been has been really positive. I know you're a defensive specialist. I hear that a lot about you. So are you be, have you been happy so far with what you've seen from, from your defense in the exhibition play? <clears throat> yeah, no, I think uh, we're... This year again, it's this year. You always have to play to what you have and what the strengths of the group are. And I think this year's group, we're able to be a bit more aggressive in the way we defend. Last year, we had to be a bit more passive, sit a little bit deeper. Um, but but this year's group, the the traits we have allow us to to maybe defend a little bit further up the field, a little bit more on the front foot. And so far, so good. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, the defending is the easy part. Uh, it's the attacking that takes a bit of a bit of time to to build and get going well. But uh, on the defensive side, I've been I've been really pleased. And as far as uh, conditioning goes, I always wonder about that because sometimes I feel like when players come in, even when they're supposed to be in great condition, it takes a little while. Do you feel like right now your team is in regular season form in terms of conditioning? I wouldn't say we're on regular season form, but I know we're we're pleased with the progress. Um, you know, it's, it's yeah, we're close. We're we're where we want to be. There's some individuals that that you know we need to make sure we spend some extra time and, and some individual work with. But I think collectively, uh, we're quite pleased with the group. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things you can do as much running off the field as you want, but game fitness is only driven by games. And, and even once you hit the regular season, the intensity of those games are just different than than in preseason. So it, it'll it. I think for every group in the country, it's going to take three, four games before people are going to say they're at their their prime physical. I would love to know just what a day looks like for you guys training in the facility right now in preseason. You know, I mean, because it's so different from every sport. I was actually just talking with um, Corey from the El Paso Rhinos when I went on his podcast. He was kind of asking me about travel and just kind of days and how it looks. And sometimes there's a lot of similarities between sports and how people operate and sometimes not. But can you kind of just talk about like how you go through day to day? Yeah, so I mean, a lot of it will be determined on what day it is during the week because um, things are, are, are periodized out in a way um, that each day is going to be slightly different. But I mean, for me, training starts at, at 10 a.m. is kind of when we were out on the field starting, 10, 10, 15. I'm in the office by 7.30 uh, helping with, with the setup. And then, you know, by, by 8.30 now, there's that first staff meeting where the, the staff gets together and make sure that we're clear on what we're trying to achieve for the day, what the roles are for everybody for the day. Um, you know, then from there, if it's, uh, you know, a, a Tuesday or a Thursday or Friday, those are heavy video days where there's going to probably be a video analysis session either before or after or both. Today we had both. We had a video analysis session before training and then after training. Yeah. Uh, then there's training. And then after training, you know, now there could be, you know, are we meeting with the leadership group? Is Brian wanting to meet with the leadership group and, and, and talk about something? Are there individuals that we want to meet with and show some video or that we're going to do some extra work with uh, on the field? Um, you know, and, and and when those occur will depend on, you know, what the intensity of the day is. Like Wednesdays normally are heavy fitness day, so that's typically a day where we're not doing a whole lot of extra. They're pretty spent. Uh, so... So yeah, so it varies a bit day to day, but but that's kind of a general a general run through. And then there's the after training, 
chat where we, as a staff, get together. What what did we think went well? Uh, and then making sure for the next day that we're we're all on the same page. So. John, you are somebody who is almost a USL lifer. I mean, you had a chance to play in this uh, actual league, uh, you know, in the mid two thousands when you were out of Liberty. Also, you you got a chance to come back and coach in this uh, league. How different is it now compared to back in the mid two thousands? Yeah, I mean, it's night and day. Like the, the 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 amount of resources and the amount of money that these owners are putting into the the clubs now it, it's it's not even a comparison to be honest um, and, and so it really is night and day in terms of you know what what's being provided you know lunch and breakfast for the players you know that that never even a thought for our guys outside of you know maybe a team meal we'll have every once in a while but now you know our guys are fed before and after every training session. Um, you know the 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 amount of staff. Come, you know, when I was going in, you had a head coach, you had a goalkeeper coach, you had assistant coach. That that was it. You know, if you're lucky, you maybe had a performance guy. Whereas it's now like we have three assistant coaches. We have a video analysis. We've got a sports nutritionist, sports psychologist, a performance coach. So the 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 resources are vastly different. Uh, I know these guys. Uh, the, the the financial side for these guys is vastly different from when I was coming in. Sure. Um, so, so from that side of it, the, what the league has, how the league has evolved, has been really, really cool to see the new TV deal and, and what that means for the league is massive. Uh, you, you know, back when I was playing, you know, the, the, these games weren't on TV, yeah. uh, maybe locally, but it, it was it was difficult to find. Even getting video for myself to kind of make my own little highlight tape to try to keep keep the the dream alive was, was sometimes difficult. So. Um, yeah, it's really, really cool to see how much the game has progressed, uh, kind of from a macro perspective here in the U.S., but then within the USL as well. It's it's really been exciting to see. So. John Berklow with us here on Sports Talk as we continue. He's mentioned the TV deal. I think CBS Sports today announced their partnership with USL along with ESPN+. Plus. So there's three road matches that are going to be on CBS Sports Network nationally televised for El Paso Locomotive plus the ESPN Plus access. So everybody gets a chance to watch, which is really what it's all about for you. Uh, you mentioned being more aggressive on the defensive side, possibly more scoring opportunities for El Paso Locomotive. Is that going to be the biggest difference that fans are going to note this year when they watch you uh, kick off the season against Hartford that it's just it's a it's going to be just a more aggressive team on both sides of the ball yeah I, I definitely think so defensively I think that'll be if you're watching a game last year compared to this year I think you'll see a difference and then I think the on the attacking side just the the, the number of players that we have that that can do things in the final third um, is what I think everybody will kind of immediate, immediately notice that, that maybe we didn't quite have last year. So, uh, yeah, it's exciting. Hopefully, the, the, I know some of the fans that I've talked to are excited about the, the group of players we've been able to bring in. Um, and, and, yeah, we're just – honestly, we're, we, we want March 9th to be here. We want to get going. Is this a deeper roster from top to bottom when you really start <laughs> to look at this club as a whole? With without a doubt, even you know the cooperation we you know with FC Wires, which I think has maybe been a long time coming. You know the three guys we've gotten on loan from them. Uh, you know the quality of those players coming in, Brandon Craig. You know obviously a, a guy with a lot of big time youth experience coming in. Um, you know I, I think we're we're able to now kind of look down the bench and okay yeah we we've got this guy can come in and change a game. This guy can come in and change a game for us, and uh, and so we're we're really excited about that. As an assistant coach, what do you like? Are you a yeller? Or are you kind of a calm, cool, collective guy? What's your personality like around these guys? I, I would say I, I'm a bit more of an intense coach, but it, it, you know it's interesting being you know for me being the assistant. It's ultimately what's Brian need for me. 
Um, that's really how I look at it. Um, and or what does all right? Hey, what does this day need from me? Sometimes it needs a quieter voice, and another time they, they you know, especially on the defensive side, if we're working on pressing, like naturally, you want to bring the intensity up, and sometimes you got to do that with your voice. But uh, so yeah. Since you worked uh, for Rise SC in Houston in the academy before you came here, uh, and you tell me, as far as the uh, El Paso Locomotive Academy goes, is the future pretty bright when you talk about all the prospects playing uh, underneath? Yeah, well, I mean, when you just look historically at El Paso, El Paso's always developed players. There's always been players that have come out of the city and, and, and managed and made their way into the professional game. And so uh, I, I was excited when I first came in because you kind of know about that history. And when you see, you know, when you take a look at some of the young guys that, that you know, we hopefully can get into the first team and make an impact, I definitely think there, there's, you know, people should be excited. Um, but, you know, that, that jumps big. Yeah, uh, and sometimes maybe not everybody realizes how big that jump can be, and, and so it's really it's it, it's a lot of hard work from everybody, the boys, the staff, the academy director, Ivan. It, you know, it's a lot of hard work from everybody to make sure that that we can get guys into the first team that can make the jump. Final question, and that is for you. I'm sure uh, your long term goal is to one day be uh, uh, you know coaching your own team in USL and professional soccer. Is that pretty much the case when it's all said and done? Yeah, I mean, I, I de- this definitely. Uh, at a point in my career, I want to be able to say that I've I've done that. Uh, when that happens, I don't know. Right now, I'm I'm really happy working for Brian. Um, he's he's a great guy to work for. I'm really happy at this club. It's a club that that I think is is one of the top clubs in the league. Uh, and, and so right now, I want to focus on doing what I can to help this team get a trophy and help this city be proud of what we're putting out in the field. So I think for now, that's my focus, but definitely long-term at some point, I'd, I'd like to, to, to be the head coach. So. Good stuff. John, good to meet you. Thanks for stopping by. Best of luck this season, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll let it slide. As uh, I like it. We, we, we have a little bit of a, I like this, a little friendly rivalry going with, uh, with you and Coach Kate. I like that. You know what? It's good for the radio. Yes, it is. It is good uh, to have some, some competition. I think competition uh, elevates people. So we're, uh, we're elevating each other right now. Yeah. yeah. I like it. All right. Any parting shots you want to give to Coach before we uh, wrap up this conversation? No, thanks for coming on. And, yeah, appreciate uh, let, it, guys. Let's uh, mark down that Liberty Day together. And watch no, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to it. Now I've got even more of a reason to. That's right. To, but no, I'll hope, hope and best for you, too. So. Thank you. I appreciate it. And you as well. Yeah, appreciate it. Good stuff. John Berkelow, folks, joining us here on Sports Talk from El Paso Locomotive FC. Take a timeout. Come back. Final 40 minutes next. 600 ESPN El Paso. In the El Paso Metroplex, the wind's kind of coming down, but they're still strong in many parts. So use caution. Also, we have some uh, busy, heavy traffic. I-10 east to the Juarez Port. That backup goes back to Piedras, maybe Cotton. I-10 west to the Juarez Port, back up to the Chelsea area. I-110 south, Alameda to the Juarez Port. And there you're going to back up to, uh, to I-10. But don't forget that we have a lot of construction going on. The, uh, the Upper Valley, the um, I-10 west and east, the Transmountain, Los Mochis area. You're down to one lane, so... Caution there. This company brought to you by Leo's Restaurant, 7520 Remcon. The uh, Leo's has a full-service bar celebrating 77 years serving El Paso. Famous tortillas. Soup. Don't forget the delicious sopapillas. Leo's Restaurant, 7520 Remcon. Charlie 1600 ESPN El Paso. Hi, back here on Sports Talk as we continue. Appreciate uh, John Berkelow coming into the show. Boy, he talked a lot, of, a lot of crap to Kate. I was impressed, man. Came in here and... 
Guns a blazing agent. What is it about these locomotive <laughs> guests? And the minute they see Cade, they all start uh, talking smack. Even the assistant coaches are doing it now. What's going on here with that? They, they uh, want to show Cade what's the true football. Man, they're trying there. to put you in right. your place Man, the minute on. you get here. Everybody's getting a little chippy with me today. I don't know what it is. I don't either. I mean, first I got I got Kaylee not listening to hear me uh, talking about her cooking. I got other mm. people saying you know that they can cook better. They're mad about me saying that about her. Then I got John coming on here getting chippy about Liberty. I mean, it's a it's a yeah. day full of animosity, isn't it? It is. And by the way, um, you know we have your back, but you're also you don't need us to 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 really come to your defense. So no. I was actually enjoying the uh, the banter back and forth and, and seeing that. But uh, man, you know what? He was conveniently out of town for the UTEP Liberty game. Mm-hmm. Can we check the call log? Can we make sure that he did not call the Mariachis who joined ah. the locker room? Good idea. Yeah, yeah, we should Good have brought idea. that up. Yeah, about you know how do you feel about your team after this? That's what that's what we should have done. But that was enough. There was enough uh, animosity for the show in that segment. We it was appropriate. Alberto, what do you think of uh, all the uh, back and forth uh, going uh, during that segment with with uh, with Kate and, and John? I was blown away. I I I was just wasn't expecting what was being said in that room. I was like, oh my gosh! But uh, Kate took it took it really well. I I probably would have been a uh, Taking my shirt off and uh, and asking them to meet me in the parking lot. They, yeah, you never know. That could have been uh, that. Could, well, how do you know that didn't happen during our break over here? How do you know that wasn't said already? Yeah, it might have been. I, 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 we need to set up cameras in there in case anything fiery ever goes out. No. Here's what I'm saying. I didn't. You know, you said you're surprised of what was being said going down here. I, I think that I have had to do that so many times, not necessarily on air, just in general, yeah. when you start talking about teams and, and all those type of things that, I don't know, it seemed very regular to me. I'm almost surprised you guys are surprised. No, actually, we, we, uh, as soon as I had it, I was like licking my chops going, oh, we're going to have some fun with this. So, yeah, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was ready to go. Because some guests are very, uh, you know, they, 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 they won't go there. And he just jumped right in from the outside. I was like, hey, this is, uh, this is good stuff here. Yeah. And don't even know this coach, and he's just ready to just you know pipe off from the outset. I was like, yes. First it was the first it was the liberty. Then it was like, oh, my wife's cooking kicks your uh, your girlfriend's uh, you know. And yeah. it was that was that was how it just escalated. I was like, yes, this is forget talking about the club. I'm more interested in doing the uh, Cade versus uh, John segment. That's not bad. I mean, he opened up meeting off air with, "I'm gonna have to root against you guys." <laughs> that was like the it was like, "Hi, nice to meet you. I'm John." I'm going to have to root against you guys. Okay, I got it. We got it. You're clear. Oh, man. It's good stuff. It is good. All right, 28 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. 505-6009-K joining us today, and uh, we'll have him back. Actually, I don't know. You normally come in on Thursday, but we only have 30 minutes on Thursday because UTEP is on the road. They're playing Jacksonville State. That game gets going at 5 with our pregame show starting at 4.30, so... This could be your only uh, your only spot this week. It might be, but it's been a good show so mm. far. Uh, it's always a good time we come on, and if, if for some reason uh, I'll, I need to make an appearance later in the week, maybe we could make a guest appearance. Excellent. I like that. I do. Um, meanwhile, you know, I'm looking at some of the other topics that are making uh, headlines. This We haven't talked about a bunch of this stuff. You mentioned nobody. You know, it wasn't a huge crowd for the Dodger game with Otani hitting his first home run. Adrian, you know who was there today for that game who took video and texted it to me? Who? Wayne Thornton. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. Wayne said the day Otani signed with the Dodgers, he went ahead and bought tickets for that game, 40 bucks, and he was sitting behind uh, you know, in that air behind home plate. 
Wow. So you got to see it uh, front and center. Yep. Great stuff for Wayne Thornton in front of the program. And, man, for all the Dodgers fans who got a chance to watch him hit that homer, uh, yeah, they were definitely treated uh, in a big way. Last at-bat, by the way. It was. That's right. Before he got taken out of that. So uh, Dodgers look pretty good so far. The Dodgers look good so far, and it just it just pains me to say it. I mean, it hurts, and I could not be any more underwhelmed uh, with the Angels this season and being an Angels fan and having to look and see all the glory that the Dodgers have. And right now in the offseason, the Angels have done nothing, and it is hard right now for me in the world of baseball. It's difficult. Hey, uh, meanwhile, Angels um, are 2-2 two and two so far, but they did beat the Brewers today 6-4. to four behind uh, Zach Plesak, one of the new members of the Angels rotation. And I'm looking down the list of that team, and uh, yeah, that roster is... uh, Underwhelming, to say the least. It's going to be an interesting, interesting season out there in uh, Southern California. I just keep asking myself, what are we doing? And I haven't found the answer yet. I don't know if I will. I don't know if anybody will. I don't even know if uh, I don't even know if the Angels will figure out the answer to that question. No. I'm not sure how that's going to work, but anyway, we'll see how that goes. They did win six to four today. Uh, bottom of the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. Adrian's got one last look at uh, Sports Center uh, highlights. Let's get to that, and then we'll come back with our final thirty with Cade right here at 600 ESPN El Paso. Calipari against Jan's matchup. It's fantastic with Mississippi State leading at 58-52. 11 and a half left to play uh, out there in that one. Uh, meanwhile, your former offensive coordinator uh, was in the news. We found out that Scotty O'Hara is going to go to New Mexico State, of all places, as, off, as, as an offensive analyst. This was not the story that a lot of us expected, but nonetheless, uh, there you go, joining uh, the I-10 rivals. Yeah, I'm, I'm very surprised about this, just because, you know, I mean, there's 134 FBS schools, and now he's playing, coaching for our rival team after you know, coaching for UTEP for uh, however many years he was here with Coach Dimmel, um, which is surprising. But I will have to say this, that, you know, I, I grew very close to Coach O uh, over the time that he was here. Um, I know that him and his wife uh, have been working, you know, to, to try to really build some roots down here. And so I'm glad that he got a coaching job that was close by mm-hmm. um, and that he can maybe hopefully have some continuity with some things. And I'm happy that he was able to get hired because he is a, a great offensive mind and does a lot of things really cool. So I'm happy for New Mexico State that they got him. I'm happy for him and his family, uh, and I can't wait to go beat him the last game of the season. There you go. By the way, doesn't it almost make you feel like he never wanted to leave the area if if, if he takes the offensive analyst job at NMSU? Maybe he just wanted to stay here. Yeah, I mean, there's absolutely a chance that a lot of people that come to El Paso don't know anything about it, much like me a couple of years ago, Mm -hmm. and then fall in love with it because there's so many really cool things about El Paso that sometimes the people that live here their whole life don't even acknowledge themselves. And so um, I know that, you know, he had just gotten a new house this past season uh, over here on the west side, and we went over there as a team and hung out and, you know, did some cool things. And I know he was pretty hyped about his pool that he had. Um, So I haven't got a chance to talk to him yet. I will talk to him soon, congratulate him, uh, and kind of hear out the story of how things went down. But I am happy that he's he's working and has a spot. You know, the you're starting to uh, piece it all together, right? Your former defensive coordinator is now at Texas State. He joins uh, guys like Barrick Neely out there 
in East Texas. It's Scotty O'Hara, offensive analyst over at New Mexico State. No landing spot for Dana Dimmel. How weird is it going to be to see some of these former coaches you used to see on a daily basis either coach for another uh, university right now coming into next season or in Dimmel's case, not maybe coach right now? Yeah, it stings. And that's part of the thing that will, I don't think, you know, it's, it's almost like, losing somebody in a family because I've talked about this before on the show you see those people so much and you have such a really close bond with them because you're basically living in the same house as them so to speak and uh, you think that that's how it's going to be when you show up when I got recruited to come here you don't think that anything's going to change you know your work you're focused on working with them and trying to become the best team possible and then all of a sudden everything changes um, at the snap of your fingers and and you know it's really tough so uh, I know how good that coaching staff was and how personable they were and how much they take care of their players and things like that and to see only some of them get coaching jobs or to have coach Dimmel you know not be coaching somewhere right now um, it's very weird and it's hard it's hard to see but it is part of the business um, and you kind of got to roll with the punches and you kind of got to you know not look back and, and be sad about maybe what was gone but look ahead and be excited for what's to come you know it's crazy but it's happened we have seen former UTEP football assistant coaches go into high school coaching as head coaches and do really well. Like, I mean, some have performed well here locally. Others have gone to other cities. So it's funny that we always talk about college coaching. Well, some of them could uh, even perhaps go to the high school level, stay in town, run their own uh, program, and and, and enjoy doing that. You know, it really comes down to – you know, what you want to do as a coach, right? A lot of coaches have their sights set on becoming a head coach at a high university level and want to be in the college, you know, level, want to be in the NFL level. And there's different ways. People think always, oftentimes think it's very linear in the sense that, you know, you have a high school coaching job, then a, you know, maybe a junior college or a lower division uh, university, and then you go to D1 NFL. Like that's not really how it works. You kind of immerse yourself into different levels and grow upon that level and then find your spot. But what happens is is some of those assistant coaches find out they want to settle down, maybe be more around with their family and not want to have to move across the country with the volatility of Division One college football coaching. And then they take all their really good knowledge and, you know, high school football is still football. You know, oh, it's, yeah. it's still football. You just simplify it down and, and allow it to be in that, that high school uh, skeleton type of way. And then you have all your really good knowledge from a university level and a high school coach. Would you ever like to be a high school coach? You know what? That's a really good question, Adrian. I have said this, and I'm not afraid to say this. I do not think that coaching at a university level is for me, at least not right now. I love coaching uh, kids. That's what I did. Uh, my it's the first job I ever had as a side job. I kind of started, I don't, I don't want to say a business because it wasn't really a business, but I started coaching kids around the community right after I had graduated high school and I loved it. Um, and since I've gone home and gotten training from 3DQB and the coaches that I have there, I, I really enjoy training kids. I'm not sure if coaching formally as like a head coaching job or doing things like that is in the cards for me, especially in, in Division One. You know, those guys put in hours that I can't even explain to you. Um, it's hard to find a job and it's hard, it's hard to work yourself up the ranks. You know, my favorite example is Aaron Price because Aaron was the head coach at Hanks for a couple seasons and he incorporated the Price offense, the passing offense, to Hanks High School. And you could tell before he got back into college coaching after he left Hanks, they were on the rise. Like he was, it was starting to work and he was starting to see it. But then, like everything, got back into the college game because he's been so familiar with it. But he loved his time at Hanks, loved sticking around in El Paso for a couple of extra years. So uh, you see that from time to time. You really do. And you do. see it from former players, too. I mean, look at the players who've even taken over 
programs. Ariel Famaligi. Yep. We just had Coach Mark Torres here a while back. I mean, he was somebody who, who ran track at UTEP and also had a cup of coffee with the football team as well. I mean, you can go down the list. Nate Jeffries is a, is a UTEP alumni. Julio who, Lopez. Julio Lopez, of course. Mike Pry, who's coaching at Coronado. There's a lot of coaches out here who have UTEP ties who played here, you, leveraged their experience at UTEP, and then became head coaches in this city. Right. My junior college coach, Dean Grossfeld, who played at Utah State, um, and has been the coach at Cerritos College now. Or, you know, he's been a head coach there for, I'm not sure, call it, you know, seven, eight seasons. But he's um, been in, he's been coaching there and been the offensive coordinator and ran that offense for like 30 years. You know, there's and we've had success. There's been opportunities, I'm sure, for him to go other places and do different things. But, you know, being around your family and getting to go to your kids sports games and maybe even coach your kids teams and things like that. Like those are things that are important to a lot of the people that instead of trying to chase the level of coaching that you play at kind of chase you know how good can I be at where I'm at how many coaches from last year's UTEP staff to your knowledge still do not have jobs we talked about Dana Dimmel are there a lot of other assistants that are still at this point looking for opportunities to my knowledge Adrian listed the only three coaches that I know of for sure that have a job and that and there might be a couple more but Coach Neely, our running backs coach at Texas State, um, Coach Pivato at Texas State as well, coaching linebackers, and then um, Coach O'Hara that mm-hmm. just got hired at New Mexico State are the only three that I know of for absolute certain. I know we had uh, um, one of our GAs from last year um, get hired elsewhere. I don't remember exactly where. I think maybe yeah. Minnesota. Um, but I don't know of a whole lot that have been hired so far, which is surprising to me. Coach Wallerstedt, who is fantastic, by the way, was a great coach. He is now the Hutchinson Community College defensive coordinator. Uh, he was named that recently. I didn't see this on my radar, but I was just trying to do some really fast digging right now while we were talking. That's one that I see. I, I want to see John Bur- uh, Burns. Burris? Who am I, who, who am I thinking of? Yeah, coach Burns? I know that's yes. exactly. Uh, yeah. uh, I want to see where he's at right now. All right, so we'll, we'll, do, we'll do a little digging into that, but that's pretty good. Hey, when we come back, final countdown. I want to get Cade's thought on court storming. We talked a lot about that yesterday on the show. Does Cade McConnell believe that we should get rid of court storming in college hoops? We'll talk about that, and even college football for that matter, because when an upset happens, they'll storm the field just like they'll storm the court. So we'll talk about that when we come back. Final countdown next, 600 ESPN El Paso.